The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released a study indicating suicide rates have reached their highest levels in 30 years. Rates have increased for almost all age groups and were so widespread the national suicide rate rose to 13 suicides per 100,000 people, the highest that rate since 1986. In the U.S., more people die by suicide than traffic accidents, making it clear suicide is a national public health issue. Hi, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me is a very special guest, Dr. Kelly Posner-Gerstenhaber. She is going to talk with us about suicide prevention, things we can do with our patients, clues to pick this up, and perhaps where we can make a real difference. She's actually a scientist, humanitarian, and philanthropist. She has a longstanding commitment to saving lives, and let me just start out by, first of all, welcoming you to the program. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks, Brian. I'm actually grateful for the opportunity to provide this much-needed information to your audience and the public to help us all save lives. Tell me a little bit about the different approaches and why you got involved in this, because certainly it isn't something that people naturally just jump into. What was it that got you interested in this as something to pursue? Well, interesting question. I'm a professor at Columbia, and I was helping to run these national trials on medications and interventions. And, you know, I want to help the most people I can kind of person. And what I realized is that, you know, suicide is our one preventable cause of death. And identification is really that first key but we never had something to really address it this way. And Brian, if it's okay, I just wanted to step back for a second. And you talked about the rates increasing, but I just want to give perspective on the meaning of what we're talking about. Sure. You know, it's, it's one of the world's greatest public health crises. It's the number one cause of death among adolescent girls across the globe. As you said, kills more people than car accidents in this country. Second leading cause of death in 10 to 24-year-olds every 40 seconds touches 135 people every suicide, and that lingers across generations because of the silence that often follows. But the very, very good news is that we actually know it's our one preventable cause of death. We know how to save lives. So let's look at that. How do we save lives? What can we do? Yeah, well, the first thing is that you know that 50% of suicide, people who die by suicide, have seen their primary care doctor the month before they die. We should be asking these questions the way we monitor for blood pressure. You know that many adolescents who have tried to take their own lives who show up to the emergency department are not there for psychiatric reasons. They're there because they sprained an ankle. So if we're not asking everybody, like blood pressure, like vision testing, we're not going to find the people suffering in silence. And if we can't identify, we certainly can't prevent. And on that note, one of the things we've really learned is that even that's not enough, and we don't do that well enough. What that means is we must go even beyond the medical model. It's not enough for only the primary care doctor to ask these questions. You know, the Undersecretary of Defense, wrote this urgent memo that we must go and find people where they are and not just rely on on the medical practice. And we know that that's what is critical to saving lives. They said, you know, we must put the Columbia, which is the tool that I'm the lead author of, in everybody's hands. And you know what we've seen? The simplicity and the power of doing just that. So when the Marines put this in everybody's hands, legal assistance, financial aid counselors, They actually lowered their suicide rate that year by 22%. The state of Utah said, we're going to go all in. We're going to try to put this in every nook and cranny in everybody's hands. And you know what? They said they've lowered their state suicide rate 
reversing an upward trend over the past 10 years. And we're talking about primary care here today somewhat. You know that the largest federally funded primary care provider in New York State since doing this and alerting and the rare high-risk instances using the Columbia, they've lowered their suicide rate as well. The power of asking. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. Our guest is Kelly Posner Gerstenhaber. She is the creator of the Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale and the founder of Columbia Lighthouse. Let's get to that. What is the scale and what can you tell our doctors and listeners about it? Well, it's a pretty potent science to service story, and we created it in this national effort to meet a need that hadn't been met before. So it's a simple tool that uses simple language that helps people ask the questions to find out who's most in need of help. So there's a primary care version and a grandma, you know, and a community version, and we identify on it the 1% high-risk answers, and those are in red, and the next steps are right there. So the primary care doctor or his nurse or the peer or the parent doesn't have to worry anymore necessarily about what if I get an answer that's worrisome? What do I do with that? So it's a really simple thing. And one of the important things is that it actually can and needs to be in everybody's hands and empowers the whole community to be part of the solution. And it really addresses all the things that providers worry about. So as I said, it reduces suicide. It actually helps to reduce suicide. It actually helps reduce workload so people can focus their efforts where they need to focus their efforts. It actually reduces liability as well. You know that we don't have a perfect formula. We may never have a perfect formula. So people used to say, well, how can I ask? So people have written that if you ask these questions, because it's deemed the most evidence-supported tool and because we have a responsibility to ask, you can take a deep breath and allow it to allow you to do your job. You know, some state officials said you don't get into trouble for a bad outcome. You get into trouble for not doing something. And we trained the Navy clinicians, and one of them made this point about helping with the internal liability. So all over the country and beyond, all over the world, actually, people in settings just like our listeners are in, you know, ask these questions and kind of, like I said, the power of asking has been pretty startling. But I want to make an important point. I keep saying it, I said that it gives you the next step. And what we know is that the biggest cause of suicide is a heritable, treatable medical illness called depression. But we don't think of it like we think of cancer, Brian, right? You wouldn't hear the word choice when it comes to cancer. And we know since we have modern antidepressants like Prozac and Paxil, the suicide rate has dropped dramatically across the world, across ages, reversing a trend prior to their introduction. And we also know that not treating depression is actually what what kills people. So those areas of stigma and misunderstanding that we need to continue to break down to address this is really important. And, you know, you might say, well, then if we know antidepressants work, how can we still have suicide? One of the reasons is that most people who need care, unfortunately, don't get it. 50 to 75% of those in need receive no treatment or inadequate treatment. Well, you bring up a really important point. I know I'm a chairman of the family medicine department, and I teach residents, so there's a couple issues. One is teaching residents to bring it up, not to think that saying, talking about suicide will cause someone to act out. That's important. But also, we find ourselves as family doctors treating this a lot because it's really hard 
to find psychiatrists in most communities now who can see most patients, especially patients who don't have the resources to pay for it. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of help from insurance and from the government or everybody else either. Is this being recognized and being dealt with? Because it does seem to be a major void. You know, it's been definitely increasingly recognized and, and people are trying to get at those various barriers to care delivery, right? To getting people the care they need. And another one beyond what you mentioned is men die by suicide more than women, right? And we've historically thought it's because they choose more effective, more painful methods. But a colleague of mine did some very important work with the CDC and found that only 11% of male suicides had antidepressants in their system versus 44% in females. So, you know, real men don't get depressed. It might be about men, because of the stigma, not seeking care. So there are just so many barriers, as I said, that we need to begin that, to... That's an interesting system. point. I never thought of it that way because, yeah, like many people, I thought, well, they probably are much more aggressive. We've been taught in the way they commit suicide, yeah. and they're not necessarily trying to send a message to someone. They want to fulfill it, to your point. If they're not getting the treatment, they don't have the support. But if we go further with it, there was a study just today I read, and I don't want to misquote it, but it essentially said people at very high risk for suicide tend to be high achievers, perfectionists, who feel a lot of social pressure. And yet, wasn't Hmm. social pressure there 30, 50, 70 years ago, or is it different today? You know, there are lots and lots of things that are associated that add to the list of risk factors. And we know pretty clearly what are the most important things. And then you add on from there. You know, the number one most predictive thing is have you tried to take your life in the past? And the biggest cause, as I said, is depression and then access to lethal means and many other things on top of that. And the fact that certain things are associated, you know, is is a little confusing sometimes because, again, because we know that association doesn't necessarily mean causality. And we know that the biggest, biggest cause of this is a brain-based illness, you know, like asthma or allergies. So when you have a lot of the population, as you know, have this biological predisposition or vulnerability, and then when you put environmental stressors on top of that, then they're at increased risk. But those stressors are typically more like economic downturns, You know, the new CDC study that you quoted about the rise, and it's been a very consistent slow rise of about 1%, low SES, low income, low education, lack of education. Those are the things that put somebody even more at risk. Now, your Columbia rating scale, is that something that's available online or it's provided to physician practices? How do people find out about it? Yes. In fact, most states across the country have got policy and top-down and very bottom-up, so people get to us, but it's very easy, it's free, it's accessible, and our website at the Columbia Lighthouse Project is cssrs.columbia.edu, and we are a 24-7 center to help communities, doctors, organizations in helping to save lives. Now, I know with uh, transition of care, meaningful use, a lot of these indicators for payment for physicians through Medicare and others, there's a lot of different types of depression screenings that are made available. Yeah. And is this one of them or is it follow them or how is it used that way? Yeah, it's been very positive. So some of our earliest states like Georgia and now I mentioned Utah about when they went all in part of the 
Medicaid Improvement Project. So in many of these states, you can't get reimbursement unless you actually use the Columbia. Just heard from Alaska yesterday, it's policy. And those are all what we think are part of the good news. So, And I would think that's important because, you know, I'm not a big fan of a lot of these rules, but some of them really do force us to look at evidence, to look at that evidence yep. and to take things that have been time-tested across different cultures and different societies and different groups and put them into play. And I certainly think getting that depression conversation going is so important because, as you say, it really can save lives. And not only depression, but really asking directly about suicidal issues, you know. And with our work, as I said, much of the nation and other countries, but I find, because they summarize the Columbia, but you reduce suicide, reduce workload, reduce liability, it really is a very positive thing and makes life easier for doctors, allows them to do their jobs, etc. So I find that one of the biggest reason that somebody might not be using it is because they don't really know about it. So those kind of policies help get it into hands that really are happy to be able to do it. And one of the reasons I said one of the leading researchers um, in emergency department said I couldn't get a nurses to ask this one question no matter what I did. I said it's because they didn't know what to do with the answers. So now this is the first time that we have evidence-based thresholds for imminent risk. So now the worry about, I can't ask, because what am I going to do if I get a worrisome answer? Because it gives you the next steps in different scenarios, really gets ameliorated in many ways. Well, Dr. Kelly Posner, Gersten Haber, creator of the Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale, founder of Columbia Lighthouse, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. This was a fast-moving program. We covered a great deal of information. And one more time before we do sign off, again, where can they find out information and read more about the Columbia Suicide Rating Scale? Yes, at the Columbia Lighthouse Project. The site is ssrs.columbia.edu. CSSRS stands for Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. You've been listening to Primary Care Today on Reach ND with our guest, Kelly Posner, Gersten Haber. I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank everybody for listening. And remember, if you missed any of that, you can go to reachmd.com. You can download some or all of the program and listen to it as you wish. Once again, thanks for listening. And thank you, doctor. Really grateful for the opportunity.